Osiris. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Welcome back to Always Almost There, a Goose podcast series on Storm Sound. I'm Kev. And I'm Brian, a.k.a. Jive Goose. And I'm Neil. I'm Sweet Danny Sands Rosewoods. And I'm Ryan. The five of us are here today to talk about the Taboose leg of Goose's Fall Tour. Today's episode of Always Almost There is sponsored by Averzio Wellness. Averzio Functional Mushrooms are here to help right now, whether you are gearing up for a show, going to sleep afterwards, or recovering and restoring the day after. With a wide range of health benefits, Averzio Mushrooms help you make the most out of the moment through the ancient healing properties and their highly potent fruiting vines. The organic certified therapeutic potency and their planet positive refill system are two of the many standout reasons that Averzio is my choice supplement. Be clear, chill, balanced, energized, protected, focused, and calm in the moment Verzio Mushrooms. Use code STORMSOUND15 for 15% off your order. Available to ship anywhere in the U.S. or Canada. So, how's everyone doing? It's nice to have all five of us back for one of these episodes. I'm beyond thrilled to have all five of us here doing this after a series of live episodes and everything. To have mm. the whole gang here recording is a wonderful thing. Yes. The gang thank goes you, to Thank boost. you again. Thank you again so much to the fine folks at HF Pod uh, and the Great Beyond. It was an absolute pleasure uh, recapping live every show um, with them. If you have not listened, um, all of those episodes are available on podcast platforms wherever you're listening to this and also on our YouTube channel. So uh, check that out. I am overjoyed to have the five of us back together. It's been a long time. I don't have the data. I don't know how many. I don't know what the gap is. We're all five but, of us here uh, for the August episode. I missed the last one. No, that's right. Yeah, yeah, the and and you know we've been on we, we've been on the collab pod. You've been doing those episodes, so that just makes it feel, um, you know, like it's been that much longer. I guess so. Yeah, mm-hmm. overjoyed. 
I, I feel like a lot like when Trey and Goose were playing together. I, I, Are you Trey uh, in this situation, Neil? No, no I'm, I'm Goose in this situation. My my podcast skills are heightened <laughs> uh, by working with consummate <laughs> professionals like the folks at Great Beyond and HF Pod. They've certainly made me rise up. Um, so I'm excited to record today with my new skills that I've learned under study of, of their greatness. So, so uh, that's a way of saying I'm really grateful for those folks for having us on their podcasts uh, as yeah. a collab. That was that was super fun. What Neil's trying to say is he's like a sponge who's just absorbed all of this pod knowledge over yeah. the last few weeks. And he rose to the level, right? It's when you're like, you're playing up. Rose. Yeah. Neil's trying to play up. Well, that was one of the big questions going into that podcast collab was, you know, what are we going to see after the collaboration is done? You know, what, what kind of changes are we going to see and improvements, uh, you know, might we see at the individual podcast level? So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. All joking aside, I am really grateful to all of those folks. It was, it was super fun. And I think I learned a lot doing that with those folks and um, yeah, man, the collab was was really special i'm sad that it's over but i'm also really grateful to be back with you guys doing this Mm -hmm. thing again since 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 the last time uh you know we did a a, a recorded episode rick played with phil and friends goose was on kimmel which was crazy um and we're now on taboo's tour where it's over which you know sad but i'm excited to dive into this you know in in this kind of um more of a more of an isolation setting, you know, with with all of the uh, with all the lives, we have the chat component to it, and this one will be interesting, where it's just just the five of us talking about some shows. So excited to dive in. Just to just to reiterate what Neil said, um, yeah, loved potting with all those folks uh, over at you know part of the Osiris family, um, consummate professionals, uh, great people. And I definitely learned a ton from them. Yeah, I think it was easy too. I mean, for I was able to to jump on for one of them, um, which for myself nowadays is, is is I'm very grateful for with my schedule. But um, yeah, they I think that it was very easy to connect on you know being able to talk about this tour, this run because of the music and you know two communities in particular that maybe haven't always jived uh so it was nice to to see sort of some of that spirit and i mean i guess show our band off a little bit more (laughs) big 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 week and a half for goose you know and so let's let's dive in you know i I was lucky enough to see the first four shows of the run neil was at three uh d flew up for one so it was it was great the first First night in Portland was amazing. Uh, you know, deraged the show with my family and I, uh, which was lovely. Neil was, you know, being a cool kid down on the floor as he tends to do. You know, he's he's on a different level than the rest of us when when it comes to when it comes to Goose. You know, like that's just certainly untrue, but just how um, he is. Um, I, you know, for what it's worth, um, <laughs> before we move on, I just like I would love to rage with your family. But like, I don't know, man, like I got to rage in like my own space. And so I, I had to stick down on the floor for that one. Uh, I will say but, that the, the, the Storm family is very, very welcoming and are getting down just as hard. You know, Lisa's the one drinking her 
organic tequila and you know making it happen so they they know how to get down uh, they do they do I, I actually i do have regrets about that first show i yeah. wish i came up there and, and hung with you guys for a while but you should have i uh you know i just wanted to stake out my spot on the yeah. floor man you know? hey i would like to give a shout out to general admission arenas um there were there were a, a bunch of those on this tour and i absolutely love that setup makes it way easier to get tickets with a bigger group and just kind of be like all right we're all gonna go and grab a bunch of seats here instead of having to worry about like you know we're gonna take some other people's seats and maybe they'll show up maybe they won't like so nobody likes over... that awkward that awkward exchange of yeah. well can you like sit over there you know yeah exactly so i'm looking forward to you know another round of that at, at goosemas nice nice ga venue we're gonna get some you know big goose twitter area uh if you will which uh very looking forward to but let, let, let's talk about this let's show again man uh, let, let's dig in portland november 9th taboos uh yeah so goose uh taboos portland november 9th uh cross insurance arena arena in portland maine uh we have our opener turbulence in the night rays fan favorite uh followed up with atlas dogs a time to flee b's favorite electric avenue tumble a Western Sun. Uh, we have our debut of Trey and uh, the collaborations uh, uh, that we're going to follow for the next few nights with All I Need. Uh, and they closed their part of the show up with pancakes. Well, right off the bat, you know, we talked about Turbulence into Atlas Dogs extensively as an opening pair for the tour. We talked about this a lot on the live episodes. And I know different people had different opinions. I still absolutely love this set as, as an opening, you know, uh, you know, all these fish fans, whether they're at the show, they're webcasting, this is maybe their first exposure to Goose. Um, as we know, this has been a Goose has been a buzz in the jam band community for a few years now. And, you know, whether people are into it or not, they've probably heard some Goose, they've probably heard people talk about it. And so, you know, I feel like the Portland webcast was maybe the the first instance where you have these skeptical fans being like okay like they're touring with tab i'm gonna buy the webcast i'm gonna tune into this show and so i think this is a really good um intro set you know just talking about before the tray sit in because i have a lot to say about the tray sit in from this show but you know great song choices um as much as we you know we talk a lot about covers on this podcast electric avenue was a great choice very recognizable for a lot of people um, the crowd was loving it in Portland, uh, you know, singing along, dancing, you know, and so it was just a great opening set and one of the very few Peter guitar jams of the tour in Tumble, which was excellent. Yeah, I thought it was a great, a great mix, like, like you said, Ryan, I mean, I know the okay, maybe energy wise or like, start off with a bang, the opening song of this of this leg, but turbulent, I, I can understand why they wanted to showcase a song that's new to the the band obviously being an older Vasudo track but still getting its legs kind of and then right back you know hitting back to back with atlas dogs which is uh fortunately we got the og version which was good um loved that Abrupt. sans jam unfortunately but um you know it's i thought it was a good one too obviously and then you go right into time to flee short but sweet we've talked about sort of being efficient with those those songs and that was you know 12 minutes and that one in hindsight was when i recall at the show i was like oh that felt pretty solid they kind of hit like a nice little theme in it 
And then when you look back at at song lengths and you're like, that was only 12 minutes, like, damn. Um, so that felt good. I liked it. Good energy. And then Electric Avenue, just to let, you know, Jive know they are listening. So. Yeah, we, we covered this uh, on the <laughs> live episodes, but I, I think some people were surprised by them opening up with Turbulence and then Atlas Dog shortly thereafter. There are a bunch of ways they could have gone out there and, and did it. Like they could have played Hot D T to like open up the show and that would have been Hot amazing. D? Hot T. You're looking good today. Yeah. I mean, you, you are looking fantastic, D. It was surprising. I, I still think it hit. Brian, you were saying at the time when we were doing the live episode that this was a really good song to introduce to fish fans that have not heard Goose. Because it is kind of somewhat fishy tune. Um, and it does come from a time that when Rick wrote it, that he was writing a lot of fishier kind of songs. I think he was listening to a lot of their music. So I think it was an appropriate fit there. It was a cool song. I think that this actually might be one of the more quintessential goose sets of this run. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. Um, You know, because of the cover choice, uh, because of the fact that you got, you know, some new stuff, some old stuff, you know, some Peter stuff. Um, You got a ballad. Um, So cover. Yeah. And then, and then obviously you got, you know, a monster jam. So Big jams. I, I, yeah. So, so I would say that this, I, you know, which is funny. I mean, coming out of the gate night one, I would say this is in some ways the, not to say perfect, but you know, the more perfect set in terms of what you can expect from goose uh, from a newcomer's perspective. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was really happy with, with all of their choices uh, on this night. And this is one of the probably top two, shows for me of the run and yeah very very happy to 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 you know experience this and uh yeah right out of the gate just felt like things this was going to go well Mm -hmm. that's a great point you make about it's it's a very complete goose set offers a great look at what they do in a given show you know there were a bunch of sets that didn't have a peter tune or you know but didn't have a peter guitar tune as well so you you have um or did but didn't offer you know a strong showing of peter's guitar improvisation yeah and a western sun is obviously a phenomenal ballad to pick uh for this opening set yeah and you know by the way which is bullshit that some of these shows didn't have any peter songs let me just say and this is (laughs) jive goose talking by the way (laughs) just just in case (laughs) anyone was confused who it was um i i will say though at the show you know given that this was the first night of the run um, and I could see Trey's amp out on stage. By the time they were playing a Western Sun, I think I said to you, D, I was just like, I'm, I'm like, I was like antsy. I was like, just bring out Trey already. Like, ah. <laughs> I, I think what's important to, to mention here when we're talking about this set too is that nobody knew what was going to happen. Yeah. Like, it very easily could have been one song in Trey's set where like he brings out Rick and Peter or or something. So when when they came out and they did this all I need, it immediately destroyed expectations. Yeah. It, I mean, and the jam itself is so good. I, th- this jam and all I need is my favorite of the whole entire tour. I think it had a, every element of what we were hoping for in these jams. It had Trey absolutely ripping it up. It had, you know, collaborative improv that I think stretched that song to different places than it 
didn't normally go when Goose plays it. It's a band, yeah. And, and I, I think that is the, the most special thing about this All I Need is that Trey pushed them to do something different with this song. And if you think about the structure of the song, right, this is yet another version where we didn't get that second jam. And we also stepped away from what the typical first jam was in All I Need. We got a little bit of it, but then it kind of went into a, a little bit more, I don't know, depth than we well, were expecting. Yeah, to me, this was, you know, again, we're going to keep saying this, but I, I talked about this on a live episode, but this felt to me like, you know, at Radio City, when Trey sat in with them and they did like more extended jams on Hunger Sight, Arcadia, what have you, he was still feeling out Goose. You know, he was like, okay, I'm sitting in on your show, like don't want to step on your toes, whatever. This all I need felt to me in Portland. Like he got on stage. He was like, all right, like we're not, you know, I'm not sitting in at your show anymore. Like this is, we're doing this tour together. Like, you know, we're jumping right in. And it seemed like he was leading this jam with the confidence as he does with fish even like, it felt like, you know, very, very fluid moving between sections. You know, D was standing next to me when when Trey and Peter started trading licks on Clav and Wah Guitar, and I was I was losing my mind during this jam, you know, as someone who wasn't at Radio City and was, like, so looking forward to this concert, you know, obviously is, like, the massive Fish fan and nerd that I am. Um, and so this absolutely blew me away, this jam, you know, First, the the Rick and Trey trading licks, you know, the beginnings of the incredible locked-in harmonization that we would see in every show going forward. Um, and the fact that he turned around and was, you know, playing off of Peter as well, um, which is another thing we'll see pop up again. Just Trey absolutely loving Peter's keyboard playing. But this was, this was an incredible jam, you know, and even the slight, you know, um, miscommunication on the return to the song at the end, like can't diminish the, the absolute power of this improv. Yeah. I thought, I thought that I agree with all your guys' points. The, 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 and what you said, Neil was something that really caught me as well about <clears throat> the unknown and what the structure was going to be. And I think like, the ability to to get to this show in particular for me was was one that in hindsight felt very important because that sort of just the energy in the space was was unreal and like Ryan said yeah once the all i need i mean it was, it was the selection to that song to have you know him play uh and as we saw come out on some big songs um but that was that was really really a good thing to see and we also got some of the darkness i mean also some some elements that in hindsight now I wish we saw more of kind of, I think that it was sort of that they were still feeling each other out and where they sort of went down the <laughs> harmonization, the Allman brothers sort of dual leads as we, as we saw throughout this, this felt like they were still kind of exploring and letting it kind of grow and develop naturally. And we got to some of those weirder spaces that maybe we didn't see as much throughout the rest of the leg, but I thought, and I'm the same. I think it's still my favorite jam of the whole run in hindsight, but it was just top notch. Good pancakes to finish as well. Don't want to skip past the show without talking about this pancakes, which I think was also very, very good. If abbreviated, right? It's not a 20 minute version that we're used to, but it had quite a bit of heat to it. And uh, yeah. And you know, Danny Rosewood's picked the perfect show to fly out to. This was the this was one that you wanted to catch, and this is the 
I think out of all the, the shows on this tour, this is going to be the one that I go back to the most and listen. And then uh, as part of Tab's set, they brought Rick and Peter up uh, for Wolfman's and then uh, everybody in for Llama, except for Trevor. And then Trevor came up uh, for the first tube. So kind of incrementally adding people for the sit-ins here. And this was also, you know, as we mentioned, we had no idea how these sit-ins were going to go. So seeing, you know, Rick and Peter out there for Wolfman's was great. Nice jam. Again, more of that kind of preliminary interplay from Trey and Rick. Still feeling each other out, um, but solid. Llama was a great surprise here. You know, obviously, uh, Trey throwing in the Taboos lyric at the end was was fun. Um, you know, Desron being the star of this one uh, with that envelope filter bass intro. And then first tube, you know, with two basses, um, you know, Rick and Trey playing off each other again. But just really, really great sit-in. Um, very enjoyable. Yeah, a couple of cool things about this sit-in. Um, Lama had never been played by Tav, ever. Yep. And Wolfman's had never been played by Full Tab with Horns. So yeah, right out the gate... Yeah, the Beacon Jams, right? Yeah, right out the gate, we're, we're seeing things that like are atypical, right? So th- they're bringing some game to the table, too, to make this different and special. So I, I thought that was really cool and, and exciting. And then one thing that I noticed when I was at the show, which I don't think came through on the stream, and I don't think people talked about it enough, but when they started first tube and Trevor was out there, they put a spotlight on Trevor. The whole stage was dark, and there was just a spotlight on Trevor as he was doing the first tube baseline. And, oh, man, that was so exciting. It was so much fun. And I, I hope there's a picture out there of that um, because it, it, it'll be fantastic to see. Yeah, I think it was for me also just the tab part. It was cool to see them come out onto fish fish songs. You know, it was, I, I I wasn't sure how they were going to approach it. Slow llama was great. Um, yeah, and seeing Trevor up there especially. So I remember looking around. And we're like, nope, nope, still no Trevor. You know, he's not. He's just gonna be backstage the whole time. So that was good to see. And that sort of set a trend for how the sit-ins were going to go with Goose and Tab, right? Uh, Rick would come out on guitar, and then Peter would come out on keys, and then as the show would go on, the rest of the band would fill in until, what do we max out at, 14? Until there was 14 people on stage? 13. Max, max to boost. Oh, no, we did have 14 at one show. This is true. Yeah. One interesting thing about... Night one's uh, sit-ins on the top set was that uh, Trevor was not on stage uh, for Slow Llama when Ben and Jeff had come out, and that's the only time that happened. Uh, every other every other night of the tour, if if Ben and Jeff were on stage with Tab, then Trevor was as well, either on percussion, yeah, or, or with his bass. So, so yeah, so that, that, for some reason, that was the only time that happened. Um, but yeah, yeah. Also, like you guys already have said, I mean, yeah, really nice to see some stuff that uh, maybe is a little bit unique for Tab to play, and just to see for the first time, you know, the members of Goose up there jamming with that band was was very very cool. Uh, so shall we move on to night two? That's a Friday night show, November eleventh in lovely Lowell, Massachusetts, and this this one started off with a with a really nice drive out of the gate. They flowed very, in a, you know, very cool segue into Echo uh, after a nice 
you know, 16 minute drive. Uh, Short Echo, uh, no big jam. And then we got the Rockdale, which was, which was very cool. This, this set list was shaping up, you know, real nice. And we got the same old shenanigans next, followed by Silver Rising. And then Trey entered the stage for a take on Wisteria, which was a huge crowd pleaser when the opening chords started there and then closing the set with Arcadia. Uh, so, and I mean, like I said, the, the drive is, uh, in terms of pre-tray part of the set, the drive was the, the clear highlight and maybe one of the highlight jams of the, of the eight shows, a really, really good, interesting stuff in the drive, uh, still keeping it, you know, fairly reined in, uh, and then really, really nice, uh, you know, flow into echo really dug, you know, how they kind of brought the drive jam, jam down, settled nicely into echo. Uh, and then I think we, we probably expected there not to be a huge echo jam after that big drive, but great, great one, two punch to, to get this thing started. Yeah. I, you know, I really love the way that they weave the, or the Rick especially weaves the echo segue in, you know, we saw him kind of do it at chrysalis as well out of the Atlas dogs, but the way he, he weaves that opening melody in gradually as they're, they're settling from the preceding jam. Very, very nice. And one thing that struck me as interesting is in, in the room in Lowell, you couldn't really hear, I think Peter's synths and the textures that he was doing in that drive quite as well as you can on the soundboard. So going back and listening the next day was really interesting to me because it was like, Whoa, like, this is a really, really interesting jam. You know, Peter showing off immediately that uh, new vintage vibe stereo console, which is for those of you who didn't notice that that big rectangle that the vintage vibe is now sitting on that kind of looks like the you know the suitcase speaker from uh, Fender Rhodes. Um, that's now the amplifier that the vintage vibe is coming out of. Gives it a little more dimension, has more like a, a better vibrato sound to it. Um, I just thought it sounded amazing throughout this tour was very excited to hear it uh in this drive jam you know this this also starts a trend of peter hitting the keys for the guitar songs um which i know uh neil will talk about later but this set um you know pound for pound was i think the most energetic um of the sets that i saw you know the song choices the jams just peak after peak straight energy and it was just a phenomenal phenomenal night Okay, uh, and th and then they brought Trey out for Wisteria and Arcadia. You know, Brian, as you mentioned, just two absolute fireballs uh, of jams here. This is when it really started to click uh, for Rick and Trey. You know, we're we're only two shows in, but they're already sounding like they could be the two lead guitarists for the Almond Brothers, just harmonizing with each other so perfectly throughout these jams, hitting you know Trey singing that first verse of Arcadia with more confidence than he did at Radio City for sure, and just hitting both songs with just a ton of confidence. Uh, that, that was really the theme of these two jams, just the two of them just, you know, looking at each other, making eye contact and just playing guitar. Did anybody hear there? There's a part in the all I need where it, it sounds just a touch at least like midnight rider. Does that ring a bell for anybody? I don't remember that. It's something Trey not a does that concerns himself with teases, but I, I'm not, I'm not concerned about the tease or the documentation. It's, but every time I hear it, <laughs> that's where my 
ears and my brain go. Because it sounds a little bit like Midnight Rider. So yeah, take a listen for that if you like Midnight Rider. So you think about it from time to time, but it's not something that you would write write down. I I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't document it in in any way. CCP maybe? Well, that's different. Uh, A CCP is a a little bit different than that. That's when we get to meet me at the creek, uh, which we're going to do a segment on later. Uh, we'll we'll get into the the CCP. All right, we'll we'll get into that. But uh, let's talk about this trace seven. Who el- who else has thoughts? Yeah, so Wisteria is definitely one of the tracks that I probably was looking most forward to trace sitting in. And I think once we saw the all I need and the pancakes, then we realized okay, everything is on the table. So basically, all bangers are on the table for Trey. And sure enough, as soon as he comes out the next night, Wisteria. So I was super happy. It's a really good jam. I think Wisteria and Arcadia are both really awesome versions with Trey. The jams are unlike all I need. They don't, they don't quite go, you know, so far from kind of, kind of the center lane, but both of them are very, very good jams. And so together make this a, probably one of the stronger sit-ins of the, of the tour for me. And so then after after a tab set, or late in the tab set, I should say, uh, Rick and Peter come out again for a take on Back on the Train, Steam, which was maybe one of the more surprising sit-ins for, for Rick and Peter. And then for the encore, Trey was doing some acoustic stuff. Trey and Rick did a an acoustic version of Strange Design that was very beautiful. And then they closed the night with Blaze On, uh, where... Uh, all of Goose were out on stage, um, Rick and Peter on their instruments, and then and then Trevor, Ben, and Jeff all on percussion. So uh, really, really good, really cool to see something like Steam. Yeah, I probably would not have expected that coming into this tour. So very cool to see something like that pop up. And then for me, the the, the highlight was the strange design. It was so awesome to see Trey and Rick with with their acoustics. Uh, playing a beautiful song and I I'm only sad that we didn't end up seeing more of this, uh, you know, for the rest of the tour, but yeah, that was a really special moment. Uh, so again, just really cool stuff to have Rick and Peter out on stage with, with Trey's band, uh, you know, you, regardless of what they played, I mean, that you just couldn't go wrong. It was so much fun. Yeah. I mean, the, the strange design, I, I think, all in attendance and maybe even at home folks were just like hoping for Rick to sing a verse of that because I just would have loved to have seen or hear Rick sing some of strange design, but yeah, it really felt like, I don't know, almost like a serenade from Trey to like Rick and, and I guess the rest of the band that like, you know, he was so excited to be playing with them doing this thing. And it felt super appropriate in that space to do that. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was just so cool and so exciting. I was like nearly in tears when I was there, like just kind of like leaning over the rail where I was that I finally found like a good spot to stand at that show that what I wasn't getting like completely pushed from either direction. And also to me, that was the, the highlight of the show. It was really cool. A lot of joy, a lot of appreciation in that song. I mean, you can... Mm-hmm. You could feel it. I, I was at home, as Neil just alluded to. Uh, if you were in attendance, you definitely felt it. Out, out watching through my TV, I felt it, man. I mean, just 
just emotion and just joy and just Trey being thankful for being in the moment uh, and being allowed to to continue to do what he does uh, and, and to watch him do it with Goose and with Rick. I mean, just beautiful. Yeah, I agree. That was really, really amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm sad this was the only, you know, Rick and Trey acoustic duo performance of the tour. Would have loved to see more of that, maybe tackling, you know, a goose tune like Arise would have been really cool with the two of them, something like that. You know, we, we may not have gotten an, a tray below, um, but seeing the two of them, you know, get on stage again would have been very, very nice. And then, you know, the Blaze On encore was fun with the first, you know, drum parade off stage of the tour, um, which, you know, obviously everybody was clearly having such a good time and, you know, it was amazing. Well, you mentioned Otre Below because we have to figure out new names for everything that they did together. It's it's something Correct. that Twitter it's something that Twitter has demanded. Uh, I you know I was surprised even just Trey Rick and Peter on acoustics. I, I you know after this strange design, I kind of thought that hey that there's a decent chance that could happen to get the three of those guys out there on acoustics just to satisfy a little bit of maybe Peter's desire to do some, some guitar work with Trey. There, there weren't, there wasn't a lot of, we had a little bit, but there wasn't a lot of, you know, the, the three headed guitar attack with, uh, with, with Trey, Rick and Peter on electric. So I thought maybe we'd, we'd have something, we'd have an opportunity to do something acoustic, but alas. Shall we talk about Mohegan? Let's talk about Mohegan. Yes. All right. So Mohegan Sun, uh, another show that I was at, it was the end of my run. So this is the last night that I did. Uh, Ryan was also there with me. But um, so in the goose set, we had Animal, Flow Down, and then an Arrow into Hollywood Nights, back into Arrow. And I, I thought that Arrow was pretty satisfying. And then Dripfield, which was the first of the tour. And we were kind of wondering when that was going to show up. And that was like pretty exciting. And then we had fish in the sea with horns, with horns, with horns. And that one was truly exciting for me. I I think it was one of the, the, the most exciting sit-ins of this whole entire thing, just because I really wanted to hear the horns play with, with goose. And then absolute barn burner, something nobody was expecting a factory fiction to close out the set. I didn't expect you guys it. Think about even that. more, su- even more surprising that it would be the first of the tour of first multiple of, versions first of two. Yeah. First. Of yeah. Two. Th- this was, yeah. this was, you know, it may not rank as high in terms of just the music, but this was without a doubt, the most energetic show that I saw um, of the first four of the tour. You know, this was also the first time that goose had ever played with people sitting behind them. Uh, so that was very exciting. You know, Peter gave a shout out to them, uh, after flow down, uh, arrow Hollywood Nights sandwich was cool. You know, the first time that they had played Hollywood nights since May 4th, 2018 or 311 shows. Um, so pretty, pretty solid bust out on that Bob Seger cover there. Um, and yeah, like, you know, drip my second time seeing it, it at Mohegan this year. Um, you know, drums still had that, you know, echoing around the arena quality to them, which were absolutely phenomenal. Um, Fish in the Sea with Horns was great. Rick and uh, James Casey on sax just playing off each other. 
throughout that jam, which was amazing. And then Factory Fiction with Trey just ripped. It was great. Yeah, this was this one for me was a little bit more of a tale of two sets, and not just not just the tray sit in versus the pre tray, but uh, just the uh, you know the opening with sequence of animal flow and then the arrow hollywood nights uh that one i i probably struggled with this set a little bit more than than the rest just in terms of kind of flow song selection just based on my own personal preferences but uh but part two of this set you know with obviously drip field uh shorter version i think i think we we'd end up seeing the you know the the better version in reading but uh, yeah, drip field, and then the fish in the fish in the sea. I, I agree with everything you said. I mean, such such an awesome version. And yeah, the James, uh, you know, James trading licks was was a highlight of this for sure. But yeah, so awesome to hear horns on fish in the sea, and then factory fiction. I, I don't think I was expecting that. Uh, you know, he, hearing that get kicked up. I mean, really got me got me excited this night. And yeah. Hearing Trey, uh, you know, rip it up with with Rick on Factory Fiction was was a was a huge huge treat. Probably, you know, I mean, one of might not be the best, you know, I might not rank it as highly, you know, in terms of improv and things like that. But this was one of the ones I was probably happiest, uh, you know, in terms of Trey sit-ins. This is probably one of the songs I was happiest to see him come in and and join in on. I'm glad you pointed out the the James Casey portion of of this set. So I was right up on the, the, the rail there for, for the fish, and, fish in the Sea part. And the horns, I, I think, were fantastic. The, the solo almost didn't happen because I think James Casey was having technical problems. And like he like ripped the in-ear monitors up, like out and then looked at Rick and just kind of was like, I got nothing. And then Rick just kind of took like another bar of a solo. And then all of a sudden James stepped in and it was amazing. So I don't think he was hearing anything at all when he did it, which I think is just a testament to how good of a musician he is. Um, And he just started playing and it sounded fantastic. And that back and forth was so good. Um, I think on tape, if you listen to it, it sounds wonderful, but taking the context of the fact that like, he probably wasn't really hearing anything other than, what was coming out of monitors around him, which like, who knows how good that was, but yeah, really, really cool part of this show. And one of the things that I enjoyed best. And I, I think the interesting thing about this show in particular is that the tab set was incredibly strong. This was one of the best tab sets of the whole entire tour. And I, I think that's like a really good opportunity to kind of just go into the, the sit-ins that happened at this set. Um, so they, Rick and Peter came out for uh, no man in no man's land and 46 days. And yeah, I, I mean, it was, it was incredible. The, the energy in the building at that point, I think, I think tab really built up the vibe in that place. And mm-hmm. that those two songs, which like, I don't know, like I'm not super familiar with Tab songs and like, I know these songs show up in fish sets and they're not usually people's favorites, but they they sounded amazing. And then of course the encore of Karini was 
mind-blowing i mean the, the whole place was just erupted when they played it and it it was it was awesome i had so much fun uh during during that that part of the show you know shout out to trey's uh soloing and tone on the about to run i know it's not uh a, a goose related or adjacent song there but man did that hit perfectly you know crowd was going wild and he just ripped that up but then yeah sit-in was great sometimes you just need two bases uh yeah ryan as long as you mentioned it the about to run was was really good probably one of my favorites about to run and darken down i think are two of my Mm -hmm. favorite tab songs when it comes to you know ghost of the forest when it comes to just raw energy from trey uh you know raw emotion and energy i just i, I love it and, and about to run this this might have been the first time i had heard tab play about to run because i don't i don't keep very close tabs on the band but, <laughs> but yeah w- was was super stoked at how awesome that and powerful that about to run was mm-hmm. and then for the for the sit-in portion of the night uh yeah you know, the, the no man in no man's land, you know, I, I thought that in the 46 days were, were good. I think the Karini was, was easily the highlight. And again, we got to see Trevor on base. So yeah, super awesome, um, you know, choice. And, and again, I, you know, we, we just didn't know what was coming. I think, I think still at this point in the tour with, in terms of what, you know, what was going to get played. So yeah, super, super excited to see Karini pop up. Mm-hmm. And now moving on to November 13th, uh, Glens Falls Cool Insuring Arena, another fantastic uh, Northeast Minor League Hockey Arena for some jam bands to play in. This one was also my birthday show, um, which was very exciting for me because, you know, Fish is not a band that generally plays in mid-November. Um, and last year, you know, Goose played in Texas on my birthday, so I wasn't able to go. But finally being able to see, you know, some of my favorite bands play together on my birthday. It was very, very exciting. Um, and this was a great set. You know, So Ready, Cali Magic, the debut of Thatch, uh, Don't Do It, Madavon, Redbird, Hot Tea. Right off the bat, you know, So Ready is a great opener. Um, you know, I, I'm team slow myself, uh, but I still enjoyed this. Uh, Cali Magic was nice to get. Uh, you know, love this tune uh, ever since seeing the debut in D.C. in March. Um, at another really strong show, am I right, Neil? Um, and uh, my mom was very happy to see this song because she loves it. So shout out to my mother. And uh, Thatch, I you know, hey Lisa, I want to I want to talk for What's like Lisa? an hour. Okay, <laughs> shout out. To it's mom. the only podcast you get shout outs to your mother in, by the way. <laughs> um, so if there's no other reason to tune into this podcast, like you just get mom shout outs. Go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, um, Thatch. Um, oh my God, I could talk for so long about this song. I absolutely love it. You know, between the clav, just great hooks, incredible song. And, you know, afterwards, Rick being like, yeah, this song's like two days old. Um, that, you know, even more incredible at how strong it was. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how this one expands uh, over time with Goose over more plays. You know, looking forward to that Goose Miss Thatch, you know. That's going to be it's gonna be nice at the first bank. Um, don't do it was a very big surprise, uh, middle of the set. I think not a placement I would have expected. And then this Madovan, I think is my favorite non-tray goose jam of the tour. 
just Ooh. really, really amazing textures from Peter, uh, vintage vibes, synth, you know, everywhere. Just really amazing stuff here. Kev, Kev Kev's, Kev's sweating it. over there through <laughs> the screen, I can see, because of the Madovan rip. Yeah, I mean, uh, Thatch deserves some conversation because yeah. it is, I think, going to be a very, very big part of what Goose does. Um, we're going to see it more and more, and I, I, I hope it's something like Pancakes that was introduced and then immediately catches on as a jam vehicle, because I think it has the capacity to do that. I agree with you that it has the hooks there. I think there are times where it sounds a lot like hot tea. Um, it has like a very hot tea chord progression in it, yeah. um, which I'm not going to hum for you here, but go go back and listen. <laughs> but like, it, 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 it's definitely there. Um, so, so that part was was really awesome in terms of just the the, the goose part of the set. Neil's consistent in his opinions there because I was actually just going to ask him if he still thinks uh, that it sounds like hot tea because he said so in the group chat at one point. Uh, it does, and it there there's a little bit of similarity there, and I'm actually interested. It, it just yeah, I mean, just in sort of the way that it sounds. It's an interesting observation. I get a little bit of that. It's hard to. I mean, I think for them have elements of songs i i sort it's the start of it sort of sounds a little bit you can hear some of the newer batches of songs for me it's it's got uh but much more funky than all those some other songs that we've seen so the funk lick and like you said ryan peter you know choosing to put the clav as like a highlight on on the song as well was uh that's good i i really like it i think it's gonna i think it's gonna catch on as well big fan um, and then also the big red bird, right? The big red it. bird. The big red bird is Trey. Yeah. Oh. And and that that is such an amazing part of this set. I think we were all hoping for, you know, we already got it with Arcadia. Trick, uh, Trey took a, a verse in that one, but he took a verse in this one. And I, I think it's just really special because this song is so personal for Peter and to have someone who is very much one of his heroes singing a verse of one of his songs that, that means so much to him was, was super cool. The smile was visible on his face. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah. And so as we think about, you know, what we can learn from RJ uh, and, and our, our podcast collaborators. So RJ, just, just in, in preparation for the show, you know, dug into the old, uh, you know, local sporting uh, you know, historical archives, I guess. And there was apparently like a minor league team called the Redbirds, but they only played in Glens Falls for like one season. And so, yeah, I mean, that's the kind of preparation that I think if we did, if all of us did that, mm-hmm. I mean, that's only going to help, help our pod. So, you know, that's one specific example of something I think I learned from, from, from RJ here. So, and then I just wanted to kind of tie that into, to the big red bird and uh, you know, we should have seen it coming. Um, and then Trey taking the verse on this is what, is what really, you know, got me hundred percent sold on this version. That's I love, I love that. Uh, we talked about it on, on the, the day afters, but I just, 
I wish we would have seen so much more of that because I just love it so much. I think it's so cool when, you know, Trey, you know, sings those personal words, you know, while, while, while Peter and his band are, are playing the song with, with him on stage. I mean, it's had to be a special moment for him. I really wish we would have gotten to see this the other way too, with, you know, uh, Rick and, and maybe Peter also taking some turns on some, some tapper fish vocals, but yeah, that was, that was a big highlight. And then the jam was just a rager. So good, really awesome between the Madavan uh, and the Redbird. You know, this is, this was a really, really solid set. Uh, and then, if, you know, they closed with the hot tea with Trey, but for me, it was all about the Madavan and the Redbird. Yeah. Super fun set as well. Great mix, great blend. Um, good jams. I agree. I can't imagine what that feeling must be to have have your idol sing a sing a lyric. And then we get Sid and Wise this uh, at this show with with Tab. We get Rick and Peter sitting on the Mister completely, um, which I think you know they did that twice this tour. And I think that was the jamming highlight um, of the sit-ins, at least in regard to them sitting in with Tab. But this was fantastic, you know. Rick and uh, Rick and Trey going back and forth again. Um, this was the first instance where we saw, you know, Peter's taking a solo and kind of defers to Ray, but Ray's just like, "No, like keep going, keep going, keep going." And it, it was really amazing to see, you know, Ray egging Peter on to keep soloing, and then, you know, kind of doing a little bit of interplay uh, over there on the keyboard station. So that was that was fantastic. I absolutely loved that. Yeah, I feel like we've given so much. Uh, kind of airtime to Rick and Trey, which is not undeserved, right? I mean, they're, they're just the, the stuff they were doing throughout this tour was was so amazing. Yeah, we don't talk about Peter and Ray enough, probably. And this was, like you said, Ryan, one of those nights where you know that uh, through through the webcast, uh, you know, you could see some of those interactions. And I really, I really think that 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 was just as cool of a of an opportunity for Peter as it was, you know, for Rick in that he got to play next to Ray and I'm sure learn probably quite a bit from Ray over, you know, their hangs and just the improv that they performed together. So yeah, really, really cool to, to see that. And, and yeah, almost kind of funny to see Ray, you know, get, get a little animated, you know, you know, urging Peter to kind of keep, keep moving forward on, on some of those jams. So yeah, really good stuff. Love it. Well, I think that's a great opportunity to uh, move into Pennsylvania. Um, so a couple nights later. Were you, trying to, were you trying to make a pun there? Moon. I feel like No, I wasn't. But I, yeah, <laughs> move to moon. Um, yeah. So two nights later on November 15th, uh, moon, Pennsylvania. I'm, I'm unaware of where moon is. Or closer Near, to, right outside Pittsburgh. 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 Closer to Pittsburgh is what I thought. Yeah. Um, at the UPMC Events Center. Uh, so starting off, have everyone's favorite butter rum, followed by a nice uh, Creatures into Moby. Um, wonderful little combination there. Uh, great segue. Um, then a short, sweet All I Need, um, followed by Yeti into uh, Get the Funk Out of My Face from the Brothers Johnson. Um, really cool. I think people with like the lyrics in there, it's, you know, you don't like my music, you don't have to use it. So it was, I think there was some, some good, good messaging from the band. Uh, so and fuck then... yourself. Exactly. <laughs> a little bit of it. 
a little bit. Get the funk out of my face, you know? So be ripping the band-aid off the symbolism. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) he said it. Um, And then to close the set with, uh, yeah, we had Trey come out for a beautiful This Old Sea, uh, as well as Empress. Um, Yeah, just This Old Sea for RJ. So I think I I really liked this set. Um, The the creatures into Moby was a great combination. you know, sort of settled, settled in well as uh, Moby just as a, is a song now that I think is everybody's kind of chasing Ryan. Of course, did they, they threw that one out for him. Uh, I, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so they just had to let him know, you know, that they were, they still think about him, even when he's not on tour, <laughs> they were showing him that he was here. Um, yeah. Fun, fun set. I think it's all obviously the, the highlights here though, were, where the the C um, is really what the standout moment um, to have Trey come out for that. Another song we sort of had seen, right? A lot of high energy songs, uh, big jam vehicles, songs that, you know, kind of would allow that dual lead guitar attack, um, you know, and maybe kind of highlight Trey's playing. Uh, but to have this old C, which is, one of the best ballads in the, in the band's catalog, you know, and I think a rare song that they chose to bring Trey out for. Um, and then you, you just have this one, one of the highlights of the tour, I think. Um, yeah, I, I, it was, it was, it was phenomenal to hear um, a song I'll be going back to. I think another one that's sort of, it's 16 minutes in hindsight, you're like, wow, they, they, accomplish so much go so many different spaces in the in the in the midst of that um great interchange from trey and and rick and uh yeah so i loved it i have a lot to say about this set um it it really is maybe is my favorite set of the the whole entire tour yeah Um, but it, it it's it's one of the standout sets for sure um the the creatures was really good and uh the segue into moby was also really good i think what happens right before they go into Moby, there was a really cool space that they got into that was pretty atypical there. And I enjoyed the hell out of that. And then of course, get the funk out of my face. Um, you already hit on kind of the symbolism there. I think there was quite a bit of internet hate going on that particular day. Um, and I know for sure, at least Jeff saw it because he was responding to some of it on Twitter but also, so, if if you can believe Jeff on Twitter, and I mean, from what I've seen, is true. He he doesn't have input onto the set list, so may, maybe. Yeah, but I, I mean, the, at least the conversation is generated, right? Yeah, so, we, we did we did forget to shout Jeff out though. He did call the tour opener in Portland. Uh, he, he mentioned on Twitter he was very proud of himself for calling the tour opener. So, shout out uh, to Jeff. Yeah, very very well and, done. So so. I, I just love this cover here. I mean, it's just an awesome cover, right? Like it, we can talk about the, the the meaning of the lyrics and everything, and that's fine. But just the the funk was was so good, and Trevor was awesome in this, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. And then there's this this old sea, which this is one of my I think favorite sit-in songs of the whole tour. I think it didn't really necessarily have a transcendent jam or anything. But what I liked about it most was it was one of the few songs this tour that really showcased Rick's voice 
and we got to hear just how well Rick could sing while Trey was on stage. And I think that is going to grab some people's attention, and I'm glad that they did that. Yeah, th this set to me was also, th this was the first one that I was on the couch for. Um, and what struck me immediately that doesn't come through as well in the room is, oh my God, that vintage vibe vibrato, you know, sounded so good on the, on that Creatures, sounded so good on that Moby. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, that last minute or two of Creatures, it almost sounds like Rick is going into Auld Lang Syne, which is really interesting, but just an absolutely beautiful jam space, really amazing. And then, of course, the drop into Moby, which, you know, I, I was I was hoping to hearing. Uh, hoping to hear at one of the shows that I went to, um, probably my most sought after song. So I, I will continue to chase it uh, for as long as it takes, but someday. Nice and concise, all I need, which, you know, I mentioned this on the live uh, for this show, but really felt to me like a more democratic jam as, as opposed to the Rick led or Peter led jams that we're used to coming from Goose. So really, really incredible improv packed into this short version here. Um, and the, the C, I really love, you know, we see this beautiful intertwining of the guitars from Rick and Trey. And then in the last like minute and a half, you know, Trey just leads them into this, you know, dark space. He turns on that like dial tone effect that he has. And this last minute really, really reminded me of a lot of the dark jams that we got uh, in at the beginning of this year in the winter, you know, that kind of, you know, like really eerie space you know ben's hitting some snare stuff you know peter's got that vibraphone loop thing going um you know and, and rick's doing like shrill stuff and then on top of that you have trey with his dial tone thing which was awesome and then you know after the c ends you just get a fiery empress to close the set which was awesome controlled chaos at its finest during that c that's sort of i i, I agree Oh, so yeah, but uh, great, great end of the set. I agree. I think it was one of my favorite uh, from the run right up there in terms of just song selection. Um, then moving on to the tab set. Um, so we had the band, uh, pardon, Peter and Rick came out for Sand. And then we had the full band out for Susie Greenberg and Peter stepping out for um, singing the uh the neurologist lines, um, which, and then having him tweet, you know, right after about that was, was really, really fun. I mean, I can't, once again, can't imagine sort of the joy of this guy. I think what did, what was he, what did you say, Neil? It was like live action of seeing your, you know, the sixth grade Peter or something. Just, I, I like the, the way that you phrased it sort of his excitement is palpable and to have, you know, to be able to be up there on stage, um, for that, for the band to, you know, Peter to be able to sing a line of a song he's probably been singing now for, you know, 10, 15 years. And that's just, that's gotta be incredible. I can't, I can't imagine each one, they're probably pinching themselves each night, you know, sort of thing. And, uh, but the only thing I wish, Sand, I would have loved to hear sort of the dual bass. Um, that's another one kind of what we got for first tube um, to hear, uh, you know, Trevor and Desron trading would have been fun there as well, but I thought, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I, I have, you know, didn't, didn't have any other too many thoughts on the tab set. So if you guys have, have any pieces to, to reference. That's as uh, good a spot as any to 
transition over to uh, Eagle Bank Arena, Fairfax, Virginia, November 17th, 2022. Uh, We had had a big 24-minute arrow opener, followed up by Seekers 1 and 2, a repeat of a song that they had just uh, written and debuted a couple days earlier, Thatch, uh, a version of Arcadia, my preferred version of the two that they played over the tour. Um, another hunger site and tre- uh, tumble. So no, I I've got a lot of thoughts about this set. So that that arrow is actually really, really an interesting arrow insofar as um, it's one of the longer jams of the tour. So that actually is worth noting right off the bat, and it was it was a pretty good arrow in my opinion. There are some sections of that arrow that I really really enjoyed. We talk about Arrow all the time and we kind of, you know, wish that Arrow did more. And I think this is an instance of Arrow doing more and, you know, is a is a pretty cool part of the set. I think the Seekers that followed after left people who are like diehard Goose fans wanting a little bit more. I think it just felt slow. And like, if you're going to go out there and you're going to play one set, it's weird to put 10 minutes of seekers. Like, I don't know how many minutes it was jive. I think can speak to that, but that's, that's a lot of kind of slower song. And when we were doing the lives, you know, I think everybody kind of agreed that that one felt like a little bit awkward and weird in that spot. And then specifically part one. Yeah. Well, specifically part one and then thatch part two. Right. So this song is now a week old at this point when they played it was amazing. And really got me hopeful for where this song is going to go. I think when we were talking about Thatch earlier, I was thinking about Thatch in the context of having heard it a second time. And, you know, I'm looking forward to the time when all five of us or five of us are standing next to each other and we're hearing Thatch um, when they kind of play a 20 minute version at Christmas. I think that's coming and I I hope that's coming. I don't know. I'm going to put it out there into the world. I have no RJ. You know, I can't just say I want something and then it happens. But, you know, if if uh, if putting it out into the universe makes it happen, then I will make that hope that make that makes that happen. And then, yeah, you know, a very, very, very good Arcadia in this set. Killer Arcadia actually is one of one of my my more favorite jams of the tour without Trey. And, um, you know, we can't talk about the set without talking about Trey playing those notes of hunger sight. It, it's just, I think, emblematic of, of this whole collaboration. Just those, like, I don't know how many notes it is. I haven't sat down and counted. I've been saying four or five when I talk about it, but four or five notes that are so emotive of just, like, how much joy Trey is feeling and, and how great this collaboration is. And, yeah, man, what a, what a fun set this was. I really enjoyed the hell out of it. So, yeah, the for me, I, I think the highlight, again, the, the arrow was good. I find myself going back to the Arcadia, uh, the way that they accelerated the tempo in Arcadia and just went from this like very slow breakdown and just by the end of it, just this raging sort of machine at the end was just, I go back to it often. Uh, Neil said, you know, I don't know, again, where you guys are placing, placing this particular Arcadia if you're placing this or you know particular arcadia on your your jotty list uh but from this particular tour it's one that i've gone back to uh several times already it's a banger 
It's a, it's a, yeah. it's, yeah. It is a banger. It's a slow burn, and there's the groove they, they start out with is, it's like Rick's tone. I think it's sort of, we've, it, I don't, you would be able to speak more to the musical sort of, I guess, tonality of it, Ryan, or that whatever he's, you know, his amp. But I think this year in particular, sort of Rick's sound has gotten bigger. Um, I know with playing with Trey, we sort of touched on it throughout the lives, just obviously seeing Trey firsthand in June probably influenced them even more. And then just trying to develop this sound and develop uh, their, their, his sound in particular for an arena. Um, yeah. The Arcadia and it just encapsulates it. Mm-hmm. Um, there is something about hunger site though. You're right, Neil. It's sort of for it to be the first song that they played together on as well. And, I think we were all, this was the first time that it showed up this tour. We were all sort of waiting on it. Um, kept getting, you know, expecting Hunger Sight's going to come out. And uh, eventually it's like, all right, there it is. You know, so it was, it was. And all the while, uh, we're kind of waiting on on edge. This was a big night and other re- for other reasons. Ryan's going to transition us there to the Big Billy Strings. I, I wasn't, I wasn't talking about that first. I, I first wanted to give a shout out um to uh coach and bonnie um who have newborn Bodie lombardi um who uh was born uh before the show peter gave a shout out after arrow for coach who was missing a goose show for the first time in a very long time uh due to that i know in the middle of the night as they were driving uh from uh moon to fairfax uh, they had to divert so coach could uh get a flight or rental car home. Um, and so congratulations to coach and Bonnie, the Lombardi family. Uh, we are very excited for Bodie to experience his first goose show whenever that may be, but yes, congratulations to them. Congratulations. Yes. Really great set in Fairfax here. Um, shout out to the Skomule teases from Peter towards the end of hunger site. That's all I want to add. Uh, very excited. Anytime. There's a tease for me to note, you know, as you guys know, I, I, I take this very seriously and Brian likes to scoff at me for taking it very seriously because he's not a person that pays much attention to things like that. But I was excited to hear it. You know, I was also more excited to hear that when I went back and listened to it the next day, I was still hearing the teases because sometimes I'll hear one while listening live and then I'll go back the next day and be like, oh, no, that, you know, CCP a little bit. Um, but yes, this was a great set. Should we talk about Billy Strings? Well, let me let me just I just wanted to say a couple of things uh, just about this set, just real quick. I mean, you guys pretty much hit on everything. When right? obviously, you know, the whole the whole Arcadia Hunger Site Tumble uh, section is is awesome. I just wanted to say, in fairness to Seekers, you know, it's their it's their one song that has a lyrical tribute to Colorado, and so you know, I think. I think that it's, all right, you know, they want to call it, they, they want to, you know, they want to speak that out into the world and they want, they want us to all to know. For those of you who don't know, Jive Goose is a resident of the state of Colorado and, you know, he, he doesn't really talk about it very much. Just like, doesn't he doesn't like talk about state. pickleball or anything like that. Um, okay. But let's talk about the Billy Strings, Kev. I love Billy Strings. <laughs> I know. That's why I'm deferring to you on this one. <laughs> Well, it does come standard. You get you get a a Billy Strings MP3 that comes with the Super Outback, especially <laughs> like if you live in the state of Colorado, 
Like the second you you know you put the key in the ignition, it immediately just launches into like love and regret. Meet me at the creek. Yeah, it's like the U two <laughs> iPod thing. <laughs> the Subaru Outback. Yeah. Subaru comes just comes with, loaded with with yeah. you know Billy Strings catalog. I didn't ask why for this. Why can't I delete this thing? Yeah. <laughs> why can't I? So you guys are incredibly negative. I love Billy Strings. William <laughs> Strings is fantastic. If you will. Uh, yeah, if you will. Meet me at the creek and Possum uh, both guested Billy Strings. And of course, he got to play uh, uh, an acoustic version of uh, one of his tunes, uh, Love, and, Love and Regret, with him and uh, Trey. So, yeah. So, oh, sorry. You're, you're not even going to talk about him playing with the members of Goose either. You're just, you're here to well, talk about Yeah, I mean, you, you guys have a lot of positive things to say about that. So. I don't want to cut any of you short there. I, I mean, I do have a lot of positive things to say about it. I mean, I, I think that Billy Sidden was great. I mean, Billy Strings is is special. He's fucking talented, man. And not my cup of tea necessarily, but we've talked mm-hmm. about this a bunch, I think, on, on the pod. I think I talked about it earlier today when we were doing the, the live. Um, he is somewhat larger than life. And when he plays, it is captivating. And I, I think it was really awesome in, in this sit-in here. And one of the things that I, I will say about this set that is interesting is that this is like the like Trey sets. They didn't do any Goose songs in the Trey sets, but they did do Billy String songs in the Trey set, two of them. And I, I thought that was pretty interesting. And I, I think that shows Trey's respect for Billy as a musician Mm-hmm. And also probably like not having like a good fit of like songs for them to like kind of play with Billy. So they were just like, let's just do some Billy songs and, and do this. And I think it was like pretty satisfying. I, I enjoyed it. Like I said, like I'm not a, I'm not a big Billy strings guy. I do enjoy it when I hear it, but I'm not also listening to Billy strings jams closely. Like I listen to goose. So I, I mean, I can't speak to Billy strings by and large, but like I, I thought it was great. I want to speak to a misconception there because, and I'm being incredibly serious here because I've seen it a couple times being stated uh, uh, of Billy strings, like equating to like jam grass and these like endless 20 minute, like looping jams uh, that become synonymous with this idea of what jam grass is. And just out of curiosity, I started going back on nugs and just looking at some of Billy's shows and there, the twenty-minute song is like a rarity. Like you'll see a twenty-minute jam once every four or five shows. Most of his songs, like he plays songs, most of his songs are three, four minutes. You'll see a ten or a eleven or a twelve-minute jam sprinkled into set one and set two. But there's not a lot of those monotonous. And again, I'm not like trying to, I, I'm just trying to dispel some myths here. Like the, I, I, the, the idea that he only plays those, those 20 minute meandering sort of bluegrass jams and loops, I, I think is sort of a misconception. He's a, he's a songwriter and he's a, he's a, he's a player. He's a player of instruments. This podcast Josh. is now sponsored by Billy Strings. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I, not to belabor this whole thing, but this just comes down to what is the definition of jam grass. And for a lot of people, to be fair, that just means that it's a bluegrass band that has crossover appeal 
into the jam band community. And there's, and there's a number of these bands going way back to yonder and, and, and before. So I don't know that it's so much about, is it the 20 minute jam or not, but it's just, you know, there is crossover. And so I don't have a big, I, I don't, I don't care too much either way, but I, I think a lot of people do consider Billy strings jam grass. Don't fuck yep. up our sponsorship. <laughs> yeah again you know billy also not my cup of tea but i really enjoyed this you know the addition of drums um and some electric instruments definitely helps uh with the appeal to someone like me uh for sure i like meet me at the creek i liked you know billy's twee prize teas in there which i know brian wanted to talk about the ccp a little bit um but this was an actual tweezer reprise tease uh from billy in there and just you know an enjoyable sit-in i feel like there may have been a bit too many people on stage and, you know, Billy, we talked about this on the live, Billy maybe wasn't as um, adept as listening to the other guitarists on stage as Rick and Trey are with each other. Um, but they were all still having an amazing time, you know, got a nice acoustic segment again. Uh, the second two bass Carini of the tour, you know, Trey took a second to acknowledge the fact that they had two basses, three horn players, two keyboardists, three guitarists, and like four drummers on stage. Um, so pretty, pretty fun. You know, if there's ever a song you want a bunch of people on stage for to make a lot of noise, that's the one. So it's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, and I agree. I think, I think the, the Billy strings, uh, there, the hype that day was absurd. Um, another moment of course, for sort of social media to drive, you know, yeah, for, for social media to drive um, interest and, and really th this whole, you know, torch that everybody's alluded to and uh, and whoever you support in terms of the, the next band you like. I mean, I think I it was great. Once again, this was while we got to see two communities come together throughout this whole run, you know, Billy Strings bringing that base fan base in, having him come on stage with Trey um, and seeing them share the stage with Rick too. And I think Rick did a really good job that night of actually allowing Billy to shine. Everyone sort of was like, Whoa, he's getting, he's having, you know, Billy's running circles around him and nobody would doubt that Billy can play guitar faster and stronger quote unquote, maybe than Rick or even a tray in terms of some of these, these styles. But uh, I think that Rick did a, did a very nice job of, He's been on stage with Trey multiple nights. He's going to have more allow Billy to shine. And I think it was really cool for the community in general. Some people want to see drama no matter what, man. Yeah. I mean, this wasn't a, it, it wasn't a battle. It wasn't like a guitar battle, you know, let's face off. It was uh, and you know, from Rick's perspective, he's playing with Trey twice a night for eight nights. And Billy was playing with them for a handful of songs one night. So, you know, I thought it was great. I, I thought, you know, obviously d three different, you know, three different styles and that's just hard regardless of who the players are to, to navigate all that, especially with all of the other musicians on stage at the time as well. So I definitely dug the, the mama had some cool moments. The Karini was, was, you know, the, uh, probably the big highlight for me, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, really cool, really cool to see all the different, uh, you know, fan bases and everyone come together uh, so joyously uh, over a nice, fun sit-in. Uh, so yeah, 
And everybody let's move agreed. On. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so let's let's move on to the penultimate show of the tour, which mm-hmm. was Friday, November eighteenth in so Syracuse, which which was uh, right about the time of a big storm coming through Buffalo, dumping a bunch of snow. So another another thing I don't want to talk about because I unfortunately made the decision to pull the plug on going to Syracuse due to the snow. Worry about the roads. Uh, as it turned out, there probably wouldn't have been that much of an issue getting either way from Toronto, but it was really well, the windshield. It was the windshield, though. It was it was yeah. the windshield. Yeah. But you know, you I made had the a good safe night. decision. Yes, I made the safe decision, which Prudent. I slightly regret. But you know, it happened. So onto the set list, coming out of the gate with the slow ready that a lot of folks were waiting on and and figured we'd see this tour. Slow Ready flowed nicely into Jive One, uh, which then went into Jive Lee. So again, two more songs that that a lot of folks had had kind of been expecting. Uh, so really nice start to this set. I mean, coming out with, with the Slow Ready opener, I think on night seven showed that the band was, you know, feeling comfortable and, and really felt like they could they could come out and didn't necessarily have to be, you know, a big banger to open up the show. Uh, they could give kind of their fans a treat with a slow ready opener. So that was cool. Uh, that Jive One and Jive Lee, very strong. Uh, awesome to hear. And then we got the Bob Don, which ended up being a Bob Don with. And this was also the undecided. day that, that the Undecided uh, dropped. So, uh, so kind of fitting that they decided to to play Bob Don, a.k.a. Undecided. I do want to take a second to talk about Undecided uh, once we finish this tour, just for anybody who's listening who may be interested in that sort of discourse. But we will get to that. And then the big surprise of the set was a second factory fiction of this eight-show run, which I just can't imagine how many people saw that coming. And then for the tray portion of the set... Just a monster Madavan. So uh, again, just the kind of the thing that everybody was waiting for. There were a few things that you kind of knew were coming and you were just waiting. And so Madavan with Trey, Rockdale with Trey, uh, you know, these were kind of the top. Those are those are by the top two at this point that, that we kind of felt pretty strong about, uh, you know, their likelihood. Uh, and also just were super excited to see where they went. And then closing the set with the only... Russ Lawton sit in in the goose set playing uh, Jeff's kit uh, on animal. And so, yeah, you know, I talked about the beginning of the set, you know, things really kicked off with, with this factory fiction and fr- from the first notes, I mean, just, just really floored. Uh, no, no way you would have, you would have gotten me to think that this was coming so soon. Yeah. Uh, it just doesn't do that. Right. So, you know, really nice treat uh, to get that. And the, the last, you know, the, the latter part of this tour, you know, a lot of the set lists, you know, pr- right before Trey came out, you know, they dropped something, you know, really big. Uh, so uh, again here, you know, just just the the surprising and really awesome, by the way, Factory Fiction has a really nice jam. Uh, Trey comes out and the, the Madavan is just out of this world. I mean, it's, 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 it probably exceeded expectations. Uh, if I would have thought, you know, what is, what is it going to sound like with Trey playing on something like Madhavan? Uh After six six nights of kind of hearing Trey and Rick play together and, and Trey and Goose play together, uh, I felt like this this Madhavan kind of took things places where they hadn't quite gone yet. 
Uh, and this is an incredible, incredible version. Uh, I, I probably maybe still prefer the all I need, but you know, this is right up there as, as, as close to an equal as you could probably get in terms of the jams of this tour. Uh, not, not, not a ton to say about the animal, but, uh, you know, the, this show for me, this set for me was, was really all about the, the fiction and the Matt event. Yeah. Um, honestly, you know, this was a really, really strong set, you know, really happy to see Bob Don with again, uh, you know, only, only one version without in between two versions of with, so excited to see maybe some increased frequency on the widths here. Um, you know, as, as we all know, that, that's a pod favorite right there, Bob Don with. Uh, breaking the jive drought, you know, I, I don't know if any of us have the, the spreadsheet capability to designate a, or designate, to, to look at a stat like that, but how long the band has gone without playing any one of the three jive songs, because this is a, you know, this is a very long gap on that. Like, Many, many shows, you know, Jive Lee was on like a 15 show gap on its own. Uh, and none of the three songs had been played since uh, the Dripfield Fall Tour back in October. So, yes. So, so I did look, look into this a little bit and just look, if you're looking at just kind of regular two set shows mm-hmm. in, in 2022, there, w- there was never more than a three show gap without any Jive, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so there were some, you know, Jive Two had had its gap, but during that Jive time, you know, Lee One and Lee were play, still yeah. being played. Um, you know, so when you get into the single set set shows and the festival sets, uh, you know, it's 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 treated so much differently that it, that it's kind of unfair. It's kind of apples and oranges, really, right? right. Um, but yeah, that said, I mean, I think I think we would have expected Jives earlier in this run, uh, and we finally got them. We finally got him. Yeah. And then, you know, as you mentioned, surprise factory fiction, great, great dissonant jam in this one as well. Like as far as factory fiction goes, definitely in the upper echelon improvisationally, Um, you know, especially in the last couple of years, we've had more versions of this played. And then the mod of Anastasio. uh, Thank you to Noah Ray for coining that uh, before the tour. Um, Really, really strong showing here. I love the way that Trey locked in with the band on those, like, you know, those as we've come to expect from them those typical like all right we're gonna kind of deconstruct the jam and come around for a huge build before the final peak trey really caught on and and followed along with that ending there but just really really phenomenal jam and then yeah getting russ out there for animal was very very fun it's just a a great set in syracuse another great set front to back yeah i'll use this as my opportunity to talk about slow ready which is a song that i love i'm like very distinctly (laughs) a team slow ready guy but I want to use this as an opportunity to shout out the August Times, um, who did a collab issue with Surrender to the Flow on this mm. tour. And they gave me an opportunity, which I was surprised by, to write an article for it. And I, I actually I wrote about Slow Ready because I, I think it is a really special tune in the Goose catalog. And it it was the song that really got me excited about the band. Um, when I saw them, yeah, 11-7-2020 in, uh, at South Farms, um, which was only a few miles from like where I grew up. I, I played youth soccer literally like around the corner from where like this show was, which is just such a weird thing because like there's just not, there's nothing out there. It's all farms. It's all farms and farmhouses. And they played Slow Ready at that show and the light show 
and the the performance were were so good collectively um there was like andrew getty doing like like fucking lasers dude like i mean there's no other way to describe it it was like lasers it was lasers the lasers slow ready <laughs> and you know i turned to my brother it was like a, a pod show oh but you it was... turned to your brother did you i did because he was there with me he and uh, a lot of things yeah i do um so this was a unique pod show insofar as um you were two people in a pod it wasn't like a drive-in show it was like a standing pod show and so there was the two of us and there was like probably 20 feet in either direction before like the next group of people. So like there's nobody vibe at the particular show, like there's no way to like vibe off of other people because you're just not close to anybody. Right. And when they played slow ready, somehow it just kind of collectively brought everybody together. There was an audience vibe at that particular show. And um, the, the peak in the song is just so, it's so fucking good. And I'm so glad that they played it um, on this tour because I think it's a song that deserves to be played. I think it is a great song in their catalog. And uh, yeah, that was one of my favorite parts of this set other than the absolutely blazing Madavon that I'm going to like go back and listen to like a million times. But uh, I just wanted to point that out. I, I thought it was like a cool opportunity to shout out John Caruso and the Elgus times. Cause I think the work that they do is really awesome. I know Ryan, You've written for them extensively, so has Brian. And they're doing great work, and, and folks should seek them out because yeah. they're, they're awesome people. And they also just had a baby. Um, they did. The Caruso's. And Shout like, out to Sadie. Yeah, and, and you know, good for them. I did I yeah. did recently, just before we recorded this, I did receive in the Algoos Times chat a, a picture of Sadie with a fake mustache on. Very cute. But shout out to, shout out to Sadie Caruso and everybody – working on the Elgoose Times, John, Page, everybody else, uh, for all of their hard work. Uh, this was an incredible collaboration. You know, I'm very lucky that Brian was not um, attending any of the shows on this run because my column for this one was my top 10 jams of the year, Goose and Fish, and so he didn't have the opportunity to give me hate on those. So, I mean, there's still time in this podcast. Kevin, what do you got? <laughs> so just to kind of segue all this together, what you guys are talking about, the Elgoose Times uh neil brian and ryan you guys writing what i'm reading from the algoos times and surrender to the flow uh just posted on social media that they have raised almost fifteen hundred dollars so one thousand five hundred dollars uh the official number 1445 for the two charities uh chosen by james casey and trevor weeks uh the colorectal colorectal cancer alliance for james casey and divided sky foundation uh for trevor so Yes, you guys are doing awesome work. El Goose Times, John, you guys that write, write. Yeah, totally, totally agree, Kev. Uh, I was really happy to to be part of, uh, you know, another El Goose Times. So uh, always, always a privilege. Uh, John, uh, like you said, is doing great work. And so for the for the tab set, um, you know, late in the tab set, Rick and Peter came out and we got uh, another take on Mr. Completely. Uh, which I love, Plasma, which I had personally been really hoping for, and then A Wave of Hope uh, closed out the set, all, all these with Rick and Peter. Um, and I really like A Wave of Hope. I didn't. I'm, I haven't been super familiar with some of the more recent uh, Fish and Tab stuff. So I'd heard the song, but yeah, over the, over the couple plays uh, this past week, yeah, this was one of the numbers that I always uh, kind of enjoyed hearing. 
And then for the encore, Quantigy, again with Rick and Peter, which I know some folks on the Daftropod were were calling for as well. And then ending the night with with Money Love and Change. And so so the only difference, you know, tonight really was that it was only Rick and Peter on stage with Tab. And that is uh I believe probably to impart that that this was the night that Ciro uh was was dealing with some medical stuff. So so I think they just decided I don't even I don't think his stuff was set up. So I think they just decided, hey, let's mm-hmm. uh, let's just keep it to Rick and Peter tonight. Yeah, th- this is a really I think the the sit-in part of this set is one of the more exciting parts of the the sit-ins, if you kind of stack them up against each other. And I recently learned that I saw a pretty epic version of Wave of Hope, um, which I forgot about. (laughs) Ryan reminded me that I saw one in Hartford. Um, But this is one of those tunes that that, I think a lot of folks who are like huge Fish fans saw as being a potential jam vehicle right and i i think i don't think we got the huge extended jam treatment here but it was still really cool and i enjoyed the hell out of it um i i kind of slightly recall enjoying the hell out of the version at uh at hartford uh which was you know it was pretty special for me i was there with a bunch of friends but um yeah i i, I really i thought the sit-ins again we've been saying this a lot but like the, the farther we go into this thing the better the tab sit-ins get in my opinion. Um, so it, it was, it was pretty awesome. And then Quantigy, which like folks uh, called for um, on the pod actually happened. And then I think Jive also called for the, uh, the plasma and Jive got it. I think RJ tried to take credit for calling for that one, but like it was you Jive. I, I, re- I listened back. I heard it. No, RJ was, RJ was, was, was sharing the credit for sure. <laughs> well, um, Neil, I would just like to, to to point out that that wave of hope you're talking about that you forgot about at Hartford is number three on my list of uh, fish jams of the year so far. So it was it was really good, and you know you you I, I'm very disappointed that you forgot that you were. I I would like to I would like to shout out this the second Mister Completely, um, you know, for also being amazing. You know, we had some nice interplay between Trey and Chainsaw on this jam. Uh, shout out to Chainsaw. Um, but yeah, seeing Plasma finally pop up, seeing Quantigy finally pop up, really, really happy to see both of those tunes. Um, you know, top tier tab stuff right there. Trey really getting into the extended jamming during that Plasma, um, and kind of, you know, the spacey, the spacey vibes, uh, on Quantigy as well. Sad, sad we didn't get an in rounds, uh, as well. I, I think, you know, looking for that for tab as well, but very happy we got the Quantigy with Rick and Peter. The pod gets results. You wanted that quantity and you got it. The, the so pod does you. get results unless it's asking for a birthday Moby. Uh, well, I mean, I think that one is like literally never going to happen because, I mean, it's no secret when you're in attendance. And oh. I think they're just not going to give it to you. I mean, maybe when you get to 100 shows. Poor Ryan. He only got a sign set list. Poor guy. Yeah, I mean, really, you, you did lose out big on this one. <laughs> I'm glad Kev brought that up because, like, man, what a bummer of a show that was that you only got a signed set list. For the record, I did not say that, and I'm incredibly grateful uh, to the band uh, who signed a set list for me on my birthday. I have it framed here in my office next to me. Dude, we chipped in and got you a fucking mushroom cake. Like, Jive did all the fondant himself. Um, I mean, he's a savant with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, man... 
you know, your gratitude. I don't know, man. Uh, oh boy. All right. Well, should we, shall we talk about the last show? I mean, we should talk about the last show because I think it's worth talking about. Um, we still have. We still have to reach into the sack. Well, let's talk about the last show first. We got we yeah. got some more stuff to get through before we get to the sack. Man, we just talked about the oh, show, so it's sack. like weird to talk about it right now. But um, we got hey, another. Whoa, that, that's a totally different. That's a totally different universe than what we're doing right now, Neil. You can't yeah, man. Nobody knows that. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, fine. So I will read the set list <laughs> then. We got a flow down opener. Some people call it a flopener. A flopener. Some people get really pissed off when people say it's a flopener. I'm going to call it a flow down opener. I'm team. No one cares. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then we got pancakes. Turn clouds, Dripfield, which I think we all saw coming except for Ryan. Yep. Um, Rockdale with Trey, which is absolute fucking banger of a song. And then Elmeg with Trey, which nobody saw coming. I think if you want to say like you never saw the the second factory fiction coming, like I think this Elmeg also nobody saw coming. Because when you think about set lists, there are sit in songs like this one was not one that I was expecting. And then hot tea with Trey and horns, mm-hmm. which I think that one we were expecting and we were all excited for. Yeah. I, I would just like to note that we're getting to the point in the pod where Neil knows that we're getting to the fantasy goose segment soon. So he's growing <laughs> in confidence. Um, and I, I, I think, I think we've reached the, the two hour mark about 11 minutes early on this one. Um, yeah. We're, we're getting to that point in the content just, just for all those listeners keeping track. I know, we we gave that as kind of a benchmark, but uh, you know, Neil's getting there. Uh, can we talk about the set? Because this is a good set. Solid jams, uh, Dripfield. We get one of the few Peter guitar pieces of improv briefly, and then he switches to piano. But a great a great Dripfield here. Um, I really really loved uh, this Rockdale with Trey. Um, you know, I know we were all very much looking forward to that, as you mentioned. Uh, Trey harmonizing on the Rockdale riff was just very awesome. It made me very happy. Shout out to RJ, who I know really, really wanted this Rockdale with Trey, and so obviously got this Rockdale with Trey. Um, you know, as, as we mentioned, RJ gets results. He doesn't uh, get what he wants ever at a goose yeah. show, right? <laughs> RJ gets results. I mean, you know, we love RJ. Uh, with a I, capital you know, R. Yes. Results, not RJ and results both with capital R's. Yes, yes. Thank, thank you for specifying. Uh, and then Elmeg was a, a great treat to get with Trey, you know, rip that up. Uh, more of a succinct version than I think we've gotten the last few times they've played Elmeg. Um, and then T was fun. Great to hear the horns, you know, all three of them just ripping it up. Uh, great solos. Um, you know, you can tell all three of them were having a great time on stage. Yeah, the the pancakes in the drip field, like you said, I mean, both had really, really good jams. And then Trey coming out a song earlier than than he had in the pre in the first seven nights, so I think we we knew we were in for some kind of bonus material uh, last night, which which we got in the form of a third song, but not not only a third song, we got bonus material with you know Tab Horns being on stage for the hot tea, and then we had bonus material maybe just in you know the extra fire that 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 came with that Rockdale. I mean it just. You know, j- just flames, straight flames, and we talk. We talked a little bit before too, just about you know, it's only twelve minutes long. It's just by by. It'll be interesting to to listen back, like I said before, you know, to 
you know, all of the Trey and Rick jams kind of from night one through and, 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 you know, maybe there's a change, maybe there isn't, but it felt like as, as things progressed, you know, they were just locking in more quickly and more easily with each other. And so, you know, while you, while you might look at, at the minutes of, of some of these songs, um, you know, the, the quality of the jams, the efficiency of these jams was, uh, I think off the charts. Where the fuck is Rosewood Heart? <laughs> yeah. Ken, well, I was Ken's waiting for opinions. you to say that. Yeah. But before we get to before we get to what we <laughs> hoped they'd play, let's just let, let's touch on this this sit in uh, in the tab set to end off the tour. We get Ghost, Hey Stranger, Everything's Right, First Tube, Llama, Show of Life, Party Time. Um, specifically, Hey Stranger. I've been enjoying this song, this tour. You know, it got a whole bunch of plays. I think three or four. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed this song. Um, Everything's Right, Rick and Peter really added to that one. You know, we got another dual bass action on First Tube. Llama was great again, uh, as it was in Portland. And then, you know, Show of Life, Party Time, very enjoyable. I think it was just, you know, they were so clearly by this point, they were just having so much fun on stage. And they were just they were just playing music, you know. They, they were just having a great time. Yeah, I mean... I, I think we haven't really talked about this that much on this one because we've talked about it a lot like on lives, but like the joy on stage made this music more, more enjoyable. Like it, it was, they, they all were having so much fun and the, the parade off stage at, at the end of party time, um, which is the second time they did this actually on this tour, they did it at Lowell as well. And um, I mean, I don't know. Like, how can you watch that and not think this is just so much fun? Like they, they exude fun. They're having the times of their lives. Apparently everybody, um, like nobody looked like kind of like bummed about it or like they weren't into it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's emblematic of this whole entire tour, which I think everybody was really enjoying being with each other. I think folks were excited to be in these venues. I think they weren't like, going to be able to do these venues individually. And I think that's worth noting, right? I think Trey's not doing these venues alone. And I think Goose is not doing these venues alone, but they were all yeah. doing them together. And, you know, Ryan and I, we ran into some members of the Goose crew and we talked about like their, their thing. And like, we talked about this before on the lives, but like they were excited, like they were enjoying the hell out of it. And I think everything about this was a massive learning experience. And when you think about how Goose has done this over time, they they did the the learning experience by opening up for pigeons for a bit, and then they did it again with Trey, and they're just kind of leveling up and learning how to be like a better band, a better band of like getting larger, I guess. Um, but I, I think we do have to talk about just how much fun they were having while they were doing it. I mean, this could have been a chore. This could have sucked, yeah. right? Like Trey could have yeah. been distant or like Goose could have been like not connected. But like this whole thing at the end of all of this was a giant success for everyone involved, fans mm -hmm. and the people in the crew and the band. Like, I and mean, shout out to Noah Ray for throwing a torch on stage. Well, I mean, I was going to get to that in a minute. Oh, sorry. But like, <laughs> Neil, um, the telltale the telltale sign of what you're saying is everybody right now is like on the edge of their seat, like asking themselves, "What's next?" 
And like, you do have to wonder what's next, like coming out of all of this stuff. And like, I, I hope there's continued collaboration. Um, I love Trey. I've been seeing fish for a very, very, very long time. And I often look forward to the things that he puts out into the universe. Um, and I love goose and goose is now kind of my new, more favorite thing, obviously, because I'm here on this podcast with you guys, but <laughs> like, um, the two of them together. I mean, it's, it's funny in a way I've been waiting for this my whole life. And I never knew that I was waiting for this my whole life. Um, these two bands invigorate me so much. Um, Trey is a musician tab. Actually, I think I learned to absolutely love over this tour. I'd never saw tab and I never sought out tabs music, but over this tour, I've learned to love them. And like, I will go back and see them as much as I can. And then, you know, just, goose themselves doing something different and and stepping out like it was awesome and i think that all gets encompassed in the joy that everybody was having as they were walking off the stage from party time i i mean i don't have much to say about um show of life <laughs> like, um we talked about it a little bit earlier but like i don't know party time was cool and like just really like nicely representative of just everybody being excited that they had done this thing together. Yeah. It was a sense of accomplishment. You know, it was like, like, wow, we've done this. And also as Trey said, as they started up party time, like, you know, we don't want the fucking party to end. Like, you know, they, they wanted to keep playing music together. They were having so much fun, like smiles on every single person on stage, you know, regardless of whether they normally show emotion or not, you know, you could tell like the joy in all of them as they were doing that, that, the drum parade off stage uh led by Ciro who also you know we forgot to mention uh Jive MD uh if you will or Jive Med uh correctly or, or maybe correctly had, had a very solid bit of speculation on the live episode uh talking about Redding uh where maybe due to Ciro's um references to falling in love with a rock yesterday and morphine uh, may have had a kidney stone issue that, that prevented him from uh, being at Syracuse. But I'll, I'll, I'll let I'll let Brian talk about the, you know, kind of kind of the background and the rationale behind his his um, speculation there. But yes, th this encore was just it was just fun. You know, great, great for them to end on party time. They were all having a good time. Um, you know, just made me very happy, as you said, Neil, as, as a longtime fish fan. And as someone who, you know, I'm very looking forward to my December where I get to see both Goose and Fish for multiple nights in a row, um, you know, these two worlds colliding for these eight shows. And just it, it was an absolute gift to see all 13 members of both bands just having an absolute joy. Like they were having the best time on stage every single night for the entire duration of the performances. So, so look, as far as that goes with Ciro, maybe it was a kidney stone. Maybe it wasn't. I think the, I think the most important thing for everyone to remember is that I'm not a doctor. So <laughs> keep in mind. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, don't, yeah, don't, don't send me, you know, requests pictures to, for sure. For diagnosis pictures for sure. And, and Never send like pictures. Yeah. Yeah. We did mention that the next mail sack segment will be open to medical, um, Medical quite medical queries for Jive MD. Yeah, yeah. I just want to maybe I sound like a doctor sometimes. Uh, so <laughs> Why? Because of how professional you are? 
to be mistaken. So, um, but, hey, look, I mean, you guys, you guys kind of summed everything up. I mean, yeah, it it was a huge party, a huge success, uh, a joyous occasion, and you know, I'll, I'll be shocked if we don't see, you know, Trey and and Goose or some members of Goose at least on stage together again uh, before too long. So let, let let's just hope it's sooner rather than later. Oh yeah, and that's that's the tour. Pretty pretty crazy that uh, you know eight shows went by so quickly, and, and that's it on to boost for now. But obviously, the moment that Neil has been waiting for. Um, you know, let's talk a little bit about Fantasy Goose terrain. Uh, Give him his forty seconds um, of glory. I'm no, I was gonna say I'm just gonna put Neil on mute on mute for the duration of this, and you know we can all talk about this. I have um, no desire. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> So, you know, Neil, Neil did okay. Um, but, you know, let's give a shout out to the rest of the top five here, um, which unfortunately none of the other Always Almost There crew made it into. Uh, Uncle Fred's Jive coming in second, uh, who we've known uh, in the Fantasy Goose uh, playing field for a little while. He has shown himself a very worthy competitor. Yeah, shout uh, out. Mad Gooseman, who I, I think is a relative newcomer, just clicking on their profile uh, shows that they, they were not playing uh, the game before 2022. Uh, I, I don't remember seeing their name super high up on the list before this tour. So props to Mad Gooseman. Well, and look, let, let, are you going to do five? I think you should do the top 10 or at least top the top ten? eight. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know what? I, we can do the top 10. That way we both get included. Uh, Jive just Alex got dropped in real Radio. time. <laughs> Yeah, Alex Hawk Nation Radio coming in at the four spot. Uh, shout out to Alex. Very well done. Uh, I know he was very proud of it. Lead the way, 726, number five. Uh, Chris Newcomb, number six. Myself at number seven, uh, coming in one point ahead of uh, Brian there in the, in the eight spot there. Um, our good friend, I, I, I assume it's our good friend Garrett, um, yeah. but you know, there's no last name. It's just Garrett. So unless there's another Garrett playing. Uh, no, that's shout it. out to Garrett. Shout out to Garrett. Um, you know, very, very good friend of the pod coming in number nine. And then um, our fantasy goose rival, Corey Manicone, uh, in the 10 spot. Is, but, you know, yeah. What happened to Corey? Did he, did he forget to put picks in one or two I mean, nights or? Listen, listen, D finished outside of the top 10. That's, that's pretty low for him. Um, you know, we didn't, we didn't perform as well as we normally do. Neil, you're still on mute, man. He's I'll still give a muted, shot. Let me give a shout out. I also want to give a quick shout out to Family Man Zach Straw uh, coming up just just outside of the top ten. I was kind of battling uh, mm-hmm. for the tour, um, and yeah, then we had uh, then we had D kind of kind of right right there behind Zach. So yeah, you Who know, a lot the of most fun? faces. Who had the most you fun? Did. Well, I think Neil had the most fun. Unfortunately, yeah. Nah. Hey, Neil, Neil we'll give you we'll give you no. your platform now if you if you want. No, I, so I want to say a few things. So, Oh. <laughs> uh, um, no, 40 like, seconds on the clock. So on the clock, 40 seconds. So I will say this about fantasy cues. Um, it is a fun thing and I really enjoy <laughs> fantasy cues. I enjoy playing with everybody. It gives us an opportunity to think about this music in a critical way and then give each other a hard time, which I think is really, really fun. <laughs> I think it's frivolous for and a fun. while there. I was winning a lot and like nobody was really talking about it. So I ramped up the trash talking. Um, I exclaimed that I was the greatest in hopes that you all would rise up. 
and some of you did. Um, shout out to Corey Manicone, who was like giving me a very much like heart attack. Uh, that, that's your 40 the, seconds, Neil. Just this last that. show. No, I got more. Um, so, <laughs> and no, it, it's awesome. And I really do think Fantasy Goose is an awesome thing. And shout out to Jason Freelander for, for putting this all together. Um, I, I, I love thinking about Goose music. And this is another opportunity to think about that and and actually compete with my friends uh, that I enjoy. Um, you know, the other cool part is that I always win. So like, that's cool too. Um, but uh, no, this tour was super fun. And um, no, I just, I, I enjoy the hell out of the fantasy, fantasy goose aspect of this whole entire thing, which like we can do this and, and not think about it and not think about like jam music as a competition, but like mm-hmm. I do, it's more fun. I do have fun with it. And um, also it's just like super fun beating jive. I mean, like I just gotta like take a moment to say. <laughs> so uh, I, I actually have something. I mean, pretty serious that I wanted to say, Neil. So oh, yeah, feel yeah. bad because okay. look, okay. I mean, I just wanted to say. I mean, look, we we give Neil a hard time about some of the fantasy stuff, but but here's the thing: I know how valuable the you know time spent with his brother is, and I know how you know I, I know how much that means you know, to, to these guys. And so look, uh, I mean, if fancy goose is that outlet, then, you know, I, I hope they, you know, I hope they keep doing it. You know, Neil stands on the shoulders of brothers. <laughs> I mean, Hey, you know, like collusion, we, we wouldn't have had like the black crows or Oasis without brother collaborate, the almond brothers. See, this is how it starts. This is how it starts. He just starts justifying the collusion yeah. with other people on his sure. wins, and now, now they're just more asterisks being at more asterisks sure. being added yeah. to your victories. You, you, you can question the legitimacy of my victories, but like, I'm, I'm really no, honestly, eight one set performances. Uh, that that's yeah. a big asterisk there. Th- this was a hard tour to to actually win at, and like I will say that I think I was incredibly lucky mm-hmm. by just throwing out guesses as to what the most probable songs were that they were going to play, and I think it shook out. So I'm happy about it. No, man, you crushed it. Uh, so so major props. Uh, so yeah, so I mean, look, just to to look forward. Uh, you know, because uh, you're you're really only champion for one day, and then and now you know, we we all turn the page. Uh, so no time to to celebrate. Uh, but yeah, so we so we've got five shows on the calendar for the rest of the year. Um, I don't know what what the official thing is going to be, but I'm assuming those five shows get lumped together, and you know maybe, maybe we call that a holiday tour or something. I don't know, but. There is another, there is something else on the line still this year. And that's, that's just your overall 2022 points champion, which Neil is now taking a little bit of a, of a nice lead uh, heading into these final five shows. So, yes. And, uh, and as we discussed in our fall tour recap, that's kind of between, you know, you two guys and not really anybody else. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to see how that shakes out. Uh, Brian, I'm really hoping you pull off the upset here. Uh, I'm only calling it an upset because Neil is currently winning. I'm just letting Neil know that I don't think that he is the favorite in this snap in this matchup. <laughs> you said it. You said it. Um, hey, it's a wide margin. Anything can happen. You never know what's going to happen when this band plays. Next time they play, we have no idea what they're going to play. Right. Fully, but next time Goose plays, 
all five representatives, all five co-hosts from Always Almost There are going to be there. So for those sure. of you who are going to be at Goosemas, please make sure you say hello to all five of us. Um, we, we, we love um, saying hi to Hot people. Hot Tub Podcast. Hot Tub Podcast. Yes, yeah, so yeah. we, we, will, we, we will be doing day after show broadcasts live from Colorado. Um, you know, we, we're, we are going to have a space. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be a great time in December. You know, I'm, I'm very excited. My first Arebolo show. But before we move into our, our final segment, which I know Kev has been very excited for, so we'll, we'll let him intro that when we get there. But, you know, a lot of what we do here at Always Almost There is, is talk about, you know, jam rankings. And, you know, obviously we're going to be uh, facilitating the uh, 2022 Jam of the Year bracket come January or, or January, if you will. I just... Just thought about it. It's not. not oh, that's very nice. Good. Clever. Nice, really. I oh, I thought it was. No, very it's not. Good. Um, <laughs> um, but you know, I I think from this tour, there are maybe three jams that make um my current playlist, and we're not going to go too deep into non-Taboos uh playlist contributions now. You know, look forward to that. If you are interested in contributing to help seed the 2022 Jam of the Year bracket, um, start putting together on nugs uh your playlist of your top 64 um you know we, we've been keeping them all year we are very very excited uh to be crowd seeding it this year so uh around the time of goosemas just after goosemas um we're going to be distributing some seating uh spreadsheets for people to start entering their rankings on uh so start putting yours together now start thinking about what your top 64 might look like uh we are very excited to have lots of people uh get involved, give their input on what this year's bracket is going to look like. Uh, for me personally, you know, I've got that all I need with Trey from Portland. That's my number nine jam of the year right now. Um, I've got the the Modavon from Glens Falls um, towards the, the lower echelon of the top 64. And um, I'm a little bit undecided on whether uh, there may be one or two other Trey jams uh, that are going to make it on there. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing how this shakes out. Brian, what about you? So I've got the, the all I need with Trey for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I would say, I think both Madavans might, might find their way into my 64. I mean, that's not, that's not totally decided yet. This old C might have an outside shot, uh, you know, sliding in towards the bottom, even the Arcadia, um, uh, not the Arcadia the with Trey, one. but the Arcadia from Fairfax, I would say has an outside chance. You know, we're just going to have to, there's so many good jams this year. Um, I think, I, I think one place I might go with my list is, especially as we get down towards the bottom, uh, you know, maybe I, maybe I want to kind of spread representation out a little bit, you know, just like I do with my listening. So uh, you know, while some of these jams uh, are good, you know, I mean, there's a lot of long arrows there's a lot of long rosewoods. So I think, you know, I think, so I think down there, you know, especially at the bottom of the 64, I think, I think there's going to be uh, a lot of movement still. And yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to see some of these, uh, some of these Trey songs make their way. in. I, th I think it'd make for, for interesting voting and probably some lively conversation. Um, I'm going to kind of echo Jive. I mean, the interesting thing about this tour is that this is not what Goose normally does. Right. So, if we're thinking about jams of the year, 
there's not going to be a whole ton that's going to enter into my jam of the year bracket simply because the jams are abbreviated. They're trying to fit into a 90 minute set and things like that. But there are a few things that kind of stand out. I think of like Lowell drive, which maybe is kind of on the outside looking in. Um, I think of Portland, all I need, which actually gets very high in my bracket, right? Like I think that one's up there for one of the best jams of the year. Um, if you think about like the first like top 15 jams of the year in, in that category. So that's like, if we're talking about the bracket, like that's in the, like the four seed area. I think about the Arcadia from Fairfax, which is killer. Um, it might find its way into my bracket. And those are the ones that I'm thinking about most. Um, and then also Madavon from shoot. It's escaping for a minute. Can you remind me? Um, Syracuse. The, Yes, the Syracuse Metabon. Um, so, yeah, that one as well. I, you know, that's the one we were waiting for. Like Trey doing Metabon, like spectacular, right? Um, and both Metabons, actually, like like Jive said, I, I have to agree with Jive. I think both Metabons that they did on this particular tour were great. So we'll see how it all shakes out. I, I think they're, you know, by this point we've played. I think it's seventy-seven shows. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, that's a lot of, that's a lot of shows. So if you take eight shows, they're only playing one set. It's really hard to find jams from those shows and slide them in with the rest of the stuff that they've done. So yeah, I, I'm interested to see how it all shakes out. I have a lot of re-listening to do. I haven't really re-listened to last night, um, the tour closer rather, um, you know, irrespective of time. Fourth wall break. Jeez. Yeah. So I'm excited to listen to that again and and really figure out where all this stuff stands. I mean, it's hard work making a bracket. I think we we don't talk about that enough, but like, holy shit, man. Like the amount of work that goes into like getting your top 64 is an ongoing process. And I'm glad that I've done it all year long. And uh, yeah, man, it's, it's, we're just going to have to see where it all lands. Talking about highlights from the run itself. Uh, songs that Goose played, just Goose by themselves. It's that second Arcadia uh fairfax arcadia is the one that i go back to often uh highlights the uh trey rockdale the trey madavan like those are all ones that are going to stand out and stand apart from other things that happened on this run i'll represent the uh shit your pants crowd right now in terms of bracket uh you better start looking at that stuff now y'all Kev likes to Kev likes to do it under pressure, you know. I too like to live dangerously. Yes. 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 Well, Kev, you know, you've been you've been waiting for this moment. Why don't Why don't you intro intro us into our final segment? Which we apologize to anybody who had noticed we did omit it from our our previous Dripfield Fall Tour episode. But Kev, take it away. I'm back to announce the sack. Right. So. Uh, last episode, they neglected to uh, bring the uh, fan voice into the, the show. But we're back uh, to talk about the mail sack and uh, the questions that y'all have for us, things that you want to learn about. Mm-hmm. Does somebody have something uh, loaded, ready to go? Yeah, Brian. Yeah, Etown, yeah. So it. so our, our, our good, really good friend of the pod uh, and... I mean, Goose Twitter celebrity Madison Avan yes. says, uh, you know, just because we were just kind of coming off off the fancy talk, I feel like this is a relevant a relevant question. Uh, he says, uh, 
is there going to be a committee to investigate whether Hosewood Goose cheated in fantasy goose? So, so let me let me just give a little background on this. So, the margin of victory ended up being, you know, you know, just beyond the threshold for an auto um, kind of investigation. And so, you know, we, we were on the fence. We could have voted on it, but we decided that at this time, Storm Sound funds would would make more sense spent and, and, and you know, it'd be less divisive uh, if we spent those storm sound funds on jam of the year bracket prizes uh, versus uh, you know, an investigation that likely would not have brought us to uh, a different outcome. So, uh, but good looking out as an event because it, it, it is suspicious. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so too. Many um, people are I'm, saying I- this. Many people are saying this. I, I've got a contribution from uh, Fingergun Pew Pew. Uh, I almost don't even care what they played. The joy they showed in playing together and sharing their music with all of us warmed my heart. Sappy but true. Correct. Um, I'm going to go ahead and agree totally with that. You know, I they, they could have gone out and played the songs that we wanted to hear the least. Uh, every single show, but yes, the the joy that they were so obviously sharing on stage throughout this Taboos tour was very, very special. Um, and I look forward to seeing that happen again sometime. I have one here uh, from Peter Heller. He says, thoughts on the trim down rotation of tunes. Why do you think they chose to do it that way? Uh, so in terms of like repeats, in terms of, uh, you know, why why would they choose why would they choose to do that to rosewood heart uh, is essentially how i'm interpreting that question uh and i don't know why they would do that to rosewood heart they they should have probably played it but what do you guys think in terms of like speculation the choices they made in terms of the the song selections what do you guys think i mean i think they were playing the hits man um hits except rosewood yeah, I mean, they left some on the table. I think they only had More. a certain amount of time to do some things. I think if you look at what they play over the course of the year, it's very clear what their favorite songs are to play um, and what aren't. Um, I mean, there's a whole bunch of songs from the range of like 15 to 20 plays, right? So like you knew you were going to get two Hot Tees on this one. Hot Tea is their most played song this year. I think that's at 21 maybe now. It's either 20 or 21. Um, so you knew that was coming. I think Pancakes is up there also. So they're going to play a bunch of that. So, I mean, it seems to me that it makes sense what they did. And they, they left some things on the table. And I think that's fine. I think they brought some things off the table, too, that like we weren't expecting. For example, Turn Clouds or Seekers. Uh, or in Two terms Thatches. Of, and Two Thatches. Well, I mean, it's clear they love Thatch. It's clear they love Animal, which yeah, is but very new. Huge fans of Hunger Sight. No, but if, if you had asked before the tour, you know, if you had told me whether I expected a brand new song to be played twice or Born to be played once, you know, which one was more likely, I probably would have said it's more likely that they're going to play Born. But it's, it's really cool that they went out there and they played Thatch twice on this tour. Did, you know, it's an incredible song, but they're still putting themselves out there a lot, debuting a brand new song in front of this crowd. Yeah, it's courageous. I mean, they're they're confident in their material and they're excited about the new material that they're they're coming up with. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so I've got one. 
And I think this is a good one to end on, on the sack, unless somebody else has something else they want to do from the sack. No? Uh, Brian, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I had one more uh, from another friend of the pod, Grom7. He says, how are we handling the guested performance in the Jam of the Year 2022 bracket? He says, you know, as a suggestion, what if you put all of the guest appearances in one region so then the final four doesn't get flooded somehow with, with these with these guest sit-ins so i mean look i think i think part of the reason that we're gonna you know try to get more people involved with crowd seating this year is because you know we want to dictate as little as possible what people's ideas are of jam of the year and so you know i think i think we've agreed already that i mean look we keep it open to everything um, I obviously single song, not, not, not two song, uh, segments and things like that, but no rules about what, what this could be. Right. Uh, if enough people say, you know, a particular honeybee, uh, should be in there, you know, it, it well, I don't know, maybe that one's different, but the point is we're going <laughs> to, we're going to crowd seed and then we're going to, we're going to run our, run our 64 seeds, region them out in order. But then what we will do we normally do try to avoid things like, you know, we don't want the same song matching up against itself in round one. Uh, you know, we might try to avoid songs from the same show matching up too early. So we so we will kind of strategically, uh, you know, move things around a little bit. And maybe we do that with with some of the sit-in stuff. But that would probably be more to avoid, you know, a tray sit-in going against a tray sit-in. Uh, you know, or too early. So, two so songs if anything, from the same show. Yeah. So if anything, they'll, they'll probably be actually be more spread out that way. So, so, you know, it's all going to come like, you know, look like every year, it's just all going to come down to, to the votes and, you know, there's people that vote for, for different reasons. And, uh, but that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of the democracy that we have. Well said. Yeah. All right. Shall I do mine to kind of close us out here? Do or... it. All right. So this one is from, Ryan Legbold, which I, I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, Dynasty Legs. Friend of the he says, do you think this will happen again? I feel like everyone's expectations were exceeded, so maybe? And to that I say yes. Um, I think everything we've heard to this point points to this happening again. And like I think, I, you know, I'm hopeful that it does happen again. I think when they do get together again, we can expect even more. I think my expectations were exceeded. If we think about where I was thinking, you know, five minutes before the set started at Portland, my expectations were exceeded. And band members have alluded to the fact that this is happening again. Not band members, plural, but like at least Jeff said, you know, for now, this is done. So I I hope it does happen again. I think everything that happened as a result of this collaboration was really awesome. I think it was great that, you know, you think about all of these communities coming together and doing these things. You think about, you know, sort of the flow doing an issue with El Goose Times. Like, that's amazing. And, like, I'm glad that they did that. Um, I think about the opportunity that we had on this podcast to do a podcast with, you know, renowned fish podcasters. And, like, that was really cool. And, of course, the music, which was awesome. It was just so good and so fun and, and joyous and everything about it was special. So to, to Ryan, I say uh, my favorite Ryan um, on Twitter, um, mm-hmm. 
Maybe, well, it's Thank like you. a one-two punch there. You know, there's like Ryan Molnar and there's like Ryan <laughs> I was going to say, um, you, can't leave, you can't leave both of them out. Yeah, right. Um, those guys are the best, and I appreciate their contributions and their support. So, yeah, man, all of this is just so good, and I'm just so happy right now uh, about all of it one day after the tour ended. So, Jai, what do you got? So one, sorry, one late addition. There was one other, I think, pertinent mailsack item uh, that I wanted to mention. It's from it. another friend of the pod, Jeffrey. Uh, he says, no longer taking requests for Goose the Band. Thank you for your understanding. Sincerely, Gong Guy. So I think that was from the mailsack thread, wasn't it? I don't Hashtag know. Hashtag Sounded Reply male sacky. It sounded male sacky to me. Yeah. Uh, and and thought that uh, you know it's a it's a good message, and I say true to that one. So yeah. Thank you, Jeffrey. We appreciate it. Uh, and we appreciate all of you who have listened to over two hours of an episode yet again. Uh, you know, we have so much fun uh, recording these. Uh, we are very appreciative to all of you that for some reason listened to us ramble for two hours. So thank you. Uh, to everybody that tuned in to our recaps, you know, as we've mentioned so many times, it was an absolute honor and a pleasure uh, to recap all of the shows day after live with uh, our good friends at HF Pod and the Great Beyond Podcast. Uh, shout out to Megan, who dealt with an always almost Megan episode where there were four of us and one of her. Um, you know, it's, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of banter to put up with, um, and she held her own very well. Um, so thank, thank you to all of those, uh, amazing people at both of those podcasts, our good friends at Osiris. Um, we will be back. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to believe that we're going to be going a few weeks without, you know, potting again, but we'll be back live in the same room, uh, in Colorado after the first night of Goosemas. Uh, you know, join us the day after every goose show, whenever you may be listening to this the day after every goose show at three o'clock PM Eastern. Storm Sound on YouTube, always almost there on Facebook, on Twitter. Um, check us out. You know, it's, it's, we have a good time. Such a want to have a good time with us. Yeah. We always have a good time. Boom. We always have a good time. And, and once again, thank you to our sponsor, Versio Wellness. Uh, code Storm Sound 15 will get you 15% off your order shipped anywhere in the U.S. or Canada. Just throw that in at checkout. Thank Eat you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of Always Almost There. We will see you again soon. Have a fantastic day. Peace. Cheers, y'all. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. 
Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, this is Henry Kay, host of the number one music history podcast, Rootsland. Come with me on a journey to Kingston, Jamaica, where we explore the world of reggae music and the untold stories of some of the genre's greatest legends. From the ghettos and tenement yards where the music was born, to the island's iconic recording studios. We are so excited to team up with Osiris Media, the leading storyteller in music. Because as you'll hear, sometimes the story is the best song.